So, you know the title, Local, Local Church and Missionary Care. And I want, to, I want for us to just consider how local churches can care well uh, for their workers. So, pretty simple uh, topic. And I hope that we can have some interaction uh, too, especially it's just a few of us here, and I think interaction would be good. And I'll say that all of these things that I've listed here really work together in a package. So uh, we'll look at the ongoing relationship. We'll look at field visits. Uh, If you just focus on the ongoing relationship and don't have a field visit um, or just do a field visit and not the ongoing relationship, you lose some of the... Uh, increased benefit of both of those working together. Okay? Now, uh, one is better than none, (laughs) but you multiply impact when you build these things together. Okay? So first one is the ongoing relationship between the local church and the missionary. And I say here that this encourages both to persevere in their respective life and ministry responsibilities. Missionaries have um, responsibilities as believers, just like church members have responsibilities as believers, um, to remain close to the vine in the midst of pressure situations, to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a father, to be a mother, normal Christian life kind of responsibilities to be a witness in the, both sides, uh, church members and missionaries. Also have ministry responsibilities. Um, pastors, church members have their set of ministry responsibilities within the context of their local church, and then missionaries have ministry responsibilities as well. So what I'm going to say is that an ongoing relationship helps both persevere in their domains or their uh, ministry responsibilities. Um, So that relationship can do what relationships within the church are supposed to do, right? Uh, Relationships within the church are supposed to help um, members of that church persevere in their their obedience, essentially. We, 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 We know that missionaries go far away, often, and it's hard to maintain that ongoing relationship. It's going to look total, well, totally is probably an overstatement, but it's going to look different than if you're a pastor, um, what your ongoing relationship is with your church members. Okay? That relationship with your missionary overseas is going to look different just because of physical distance, for one. Okay? And if you're a pastor, you don't have the advantage of that missionary being embedded in the congregation and receiving and participating in those one another commands, right? They're apart from that. Um, okay, so ongoing relationship. Let's talk about pastor or pastors to the worker. Okay, and worker is just another term for missionary. How do pastors relate to church members? Let me ask you that question. How, do, how should pastors relate to church members? 
Now, I'm making the assumption that the missionary we're talking about is a member of your church. Okay? We know there's, there's missionaries that you send and there's missionaries that you support. Okay? There's a distinction between those often. Usually the one that you send, you also support. right? But then in, in our world, we have, we have workers from other churches that come and ask to partner. Now, you have a different relationship with those missionaries because they're not members of your church. So I'm talking here about member, missionaries who are members of your church. Okay? So let me step back and ask the question, what responsibility does, do pastors have of, me, of members of their churches? Shepherd. And shepherd involves what kinds of things? Praying for them. I said feeding. Feeding. Yeah, instructing in the word. I mean, those are the two, two of the key primary things, right? Um, instructing in the word and prayer. How about, how about counsel in difficult situations? Um, someone in the church maybe has been ensnared in a sin or put sin aside, someone has a difficult decision they have to make and they come to pastor for counsel. These are ways that pastors shepherd the members of their church. Now, I would say that pastors can and should be fulfilling the same responsibility for the worker that they have overseas. What are some of the difficulties with that? For, what's that? Intimate knowledge of what's going on. Okay, intimate knowledge. It's a lot easier to bring the word to someone that you're interacting with regularly, okay, because you see them, yep, and you know what's going on. So there's a kind of ministry of the word that's a corporate ministry of the word. And even in the corporate ministry of the word, you're addressing situations in the church um, through the ministry, you know, current situations in the church through the corporate ministry of the word. But then there should be a lot of individual ministry of the word. Uh, like uh, Paul, public going from house to house, uh, providing instruction. Uh, shepherding, that's the, you know, you're shepherding people, you, you, you provide for them what they need. Yeah, what else? What else makes it difficult? You don't have an intimate knowledge? Out of sight, out of mind, because you don't see them every Sunday, Wednesday. So you, and then also to me, my mind, I think our missionary, well, they're on my level. They're like, okay, they're shepherding people in this field. Yep. So they don't need me to be like over them as to shepherd them. And yep. You kind of forget, well, they're still part of the congregation. Yep. So yep. Shepherd. Yep. Out of sight, out of mind is very common. Um, and both of what you said, because I, I was thinking very similarly about that. We sometimes have an elevated perception of the spiritual health of missionaries, like the superheroes, right? Well, if you talk to very many missionaries for very long, they'll tell you that's not true. Um, we have struggles just like everybody else does, and we need shepherds. And, and I would say um, that in many situations, missionaries are living in high-pressured environments and often lonely environments apart from 
apart from the regular interaction with believers in, let's say, their heart language. Or if they're young in their time on the field, early in their time on the field, there may be no believers at all that they're interacting with. And so, in, a, in one sense, uh, workers need shepherding from their pastors in a, in a greater way than um, people that are, that sheep that are physically present in the church. Uh, what sheep have in the congregation that the worker doesn't have is the opportunity for all those one another's to be going on. Okay? And that can actually, that can be a very dangerous place for a worker. You know, I remember when I was, uh, I'm from here, uh, early on in my marriage, and we, we had a couple children before we went to the field, just walking into the doors of the church and observing other parents taking care of their children, who are, you know, parents who are older and more mature than me, or seeing teenagers who were uh, um, obedient, observing that in the congregation of my church, and then watching how the parents interacted with, with them, that was uh, encouragement and instruction for me. And then stepping into a place where that was absent um, was was challenging for me. You know, it, you don't realize that the the corporate that benefit of the corporate body in terms of accountability and encouragement to persevere. That's what we're talking about: persevering in your in your obedience. When it's gone, it's it's difficult. And so, pastor to worker can provide these kinds of things, not in the same way because there's physical distance. You mentioned lack of intimate knowledge. How could, again, I, I want to be very careful to create, not to create an uh, unattainable bar here, okay? You can't pastor someone on the field like you pastor someone uh, in, that's present. You just, it's not possible. But the other option isn't or shouldn't be out of sight, out of mind, okay? There is something, some middle ground, um, how could you have, let's not say intimate knowledge, but let's say a level of knowledge of what's going on. How could a pastor have a level of knowledge of what's going on? Communication is quite a bit easier these days. Like WhatsApp for a lot of people around the world. Text, even call. Yeah, I would say some sort of regular communication. I don't know what kind of churches you guys come from, um, Probably some of them have senior pastors and then assistant or uh, adult, pa- you know, multiple pastors. I'm not suggesting this is something that the senior pastor or the teaching pastor do. Maybe, um, but someone on staff or someone in the church that has shepherding gifts that the church recognizes to act as a representative. Communication. That's how you have an intimate knowledge of the people in your congregation, right? Through communication. Some of it's just observing what's going on. Some of it's actually talking uh, with them, listening to their prayer requests, things like that. So um, it's not, it's, it's not uh, as they say, rocket science on this one, but communication. What could communication look like? You said WhatsApp. 
um, I would suggest set up a monthly phone call um, where you just call, nothing's wrong, just, hey, let's, how are you doing? Um, tell me what's going on in your life. And you, you will have to learn to listen and allow the listening to be what the observation might be when you're embedded in the same church, right? Because you can't, you can't sit there and watch how they're interacting with their spouse. And I could add, make the conversation with the husband and the wife, not just with the husband. Or occasionally make that monthly phone call with the entire family, the kids as well, so they can see you and you can provide encouragement to them. So you can, um, uh, 30 minutes once a month or 30 minutes every other month, I don't think that's an unrealistic goal. I mean, we're not talking about high volume for most churches. We're not talking about 10 workers that churches send out. Many times we're talking about one or two or something like that. So that ongoing relationship that encourages the worker to persevere in life and ministry requires communication. Um, At the end of that conversation, prayer. I mean, can I pray for you? What are some things that I can pray for? Or can, you just had a 20-minute conversation. Here's some things that I'm hearing. Can I pray for these right now with you? That's very meaningful to workers on the other end in the field that haven't been praying with people in their heart language outside of their family. To have a, 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 an elder or pastor in their church to take the time to listen to them talk and then to pray for them. That's pretty significant. You might think, well, that's not that much. It, it, it's actually quite a bit. Uh, that's pretty significant to do that. Instruction in the Word, that can also come out in the congregation, in the conversation, in a 30-minute conversation. But I probably, wouldn't, I probably wouldn't view that if I was a pastor as, okay, now I'm going to teach them. Any kind of instruction in the Word in that context should probably come up out of listening Maybe they're struggling with something. Hey, that reminds me of this story from the scriptures. Let me just encourage you with that. Um, Another way then, uh, you have corporate instruction that's probably recorded. Um, Be a good conversation to have with your worker before they go to the field. You're part of our assembly. I want to encourage you to listen to our weekly uh, gathering um, and listen to those sermons. That's how you can understand something about the life of the church that you're from. And maybe in those 30-minute phone calls, you can say, so, you know, what, what has God been teaching you in Hebrews as we've been walking through Hebrews? Um, when we first went to the field, I think we had cassette tapes. <laughs> now you probably don't need those. So pastor, pastors to workers, uh, church member to workers. Anybody want to add anything on that? Anything that you guys have done or thoughts? I can say that if you have it scheduled, um, it becomes very easy. Um, I've got two mm-hmm. scheduled appointments, uh, phone appointments with uh, two different uh, people. One is a gentleman in prison and the other is a missionary friend. And I just know that every Wednesday at 4 o'clock, the guy in prison calls me and every Wednesday night at uh, 9 o'clock uh, the missionary calls me. Mm-hmm. And if it's just scheduled, it makes yep. you don't think too hard about it. Yep. 
And you're just in the rhythm of their life at that point. You don't have to catch up, at least with much. You know, if you're doing it on a monthly basis, you have to catch up a little bit. But even just, you know, asking about kids and writing down notes while you're doing that, because it's hard to remember names and ages of kids sometimes, <laughs> just writing down some notes. Um, I have a regular conversation with a, a, a friend of mine, and it's a mutual kind of uh, encouragement conversation. And I noticed that he writes th- things down, and he can reference things from three or four years ago very easily because he'll just write them right down. So I encourage you to do that. Okay, Church member to worker then. Um, the one another's. Now, it's, um, I'm going to give some suggestions. This, this would not work well if every church member had this kind of relationship with the worker that they sent out. It just would become overwhelming. Okay? That's why I have a caution down here. Can you see my caution? Too much interaction can distract workers from their focus on local relationships and ministry tasks. So that caution is real. But some church members can have some interaction with uh, the members that they send overseas. And, and that communication is part of that. So whether that's WhatsApp, whether that's a regular phone call with a close friend within the church, um, prayer, public prayer. So when you guys pray publicly as a church, it's not just the pastor who's praying, it's the entire church. Um, you know, there's one church that um, we're, still, we're still kind of in a support-based position, and um, our sending church puts our picture up every week, and they pray for us and all of the members that they have sent out every week by name. Um, not just my name, but my wife's name and our kids' name. That's very encouraging, because I know every Sunday morning, at the same time, they're praying for us. Uh, and the, the church... As, as they've gathered. Um, so I'd, I'd encourage uh, church members to do that. However you break up your um, uh, into small groups, whatever that looks like, most churches break up into some kind of small groups, whether it's on Sunday morning or another. You know, have, a, have, a, have one of those small groups um, adopt or whatever term you want to use and regularly pray every time they gather as a small group for that person. And then have someone in that small group tracking how they're doing. Okay? Again, I want to be careful because you don't want to overwhelm the worker. Um, you don't want the worker to feel like, oh, I've got to keep giving them this. In- Informal and natural is the best. Okay? If, it's, if it's kind of structured in a way that feels, oh, I've got to answer these questions for this group, um, that, becomes, that becomes actually a pressure and a burden. But if you have, I mean, if your church is sending someone from your church onto the field, that person should have friends in that church, right? So find some of their friends and say, hey, can you serve in this, in this role? Uh, can you continually make sure you're encouraging them? Uh, remember birthdays, that's a good one. How church members can encourage workers on the field simply shooting them a text on their birthday or their kids' birthdays. Um, let them know they're praying for them. Um, in the past, maybe, 
sending boxes, that's not quite as common today, especially when you're talking about workers in closed countries. Uh, but maybe Kindle book, right? Not much has to be done for a Kindle book. Not, nothing has to be shipped. But ask them. Okay? Again, another caution here would be public interaction on social media and even email interaction, especially for people in closed countries, uh, that could be very challenging. So if you're a pastor or a leader in a church and you're talking with members in the church about this and the worker has talked with you already and said, hey, these are some things that we want to stay away away from, make sure you're um, reminding your church members of that. Okay, so pastor to worker, church member to worker, worker to church. Um, again, prayer. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we've got a couple workers uh, here, but uh, those of us who are workers should regularly pray for uh, people in our church. And church leaders, you can help by whatever's appropriate based on the, con- the place where they're at. Like if they're in a closed country, you have to be careful on what you communicate and all that. But whatever's appropriate to send an update so that people can, your, 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 your worker can pray for people in the church. Um, communication. Um, you know, we're familiar with the traditional missionary letter. Uh, churches and workers can think about more modern ways of doing that. Um, sometimes shorter, you know, a WhatsApp announcement to people can be helpful. Again, it depends on where you're at. Um, if a, a short little video uh, during a church service, this has become a little bit more common with technology today. Make a phone call to your worker before the service or in a small group setting. That's a, maybe a better setting where there can be a little bit more interaction. And in those points, the, the, member, the member on the field, the worker, can... Uh, serve and minister and encourage uh, the people in the, in the pew. So, ongoing relationship. Um, I did not intend to spend that much time on that, but is there any other questions or thoughts on that? Yeah? Just one, like what we do, we have missionaries to Peru, so we have a Peru crew. We call them some group of ladies that yep. regularly pray. Yep. And one of the ladies who's in charge of it does a good job of just emailing the wife and the yep. missionary and saying, Yep. Yep. As well, what's going on? Yep. Here's what's going on. Yep. That's that's fantastic. That's a good example of that. And I would say one thing that you could do to come alongside of that, and I'll I'll get to this in a little bit. When those workers come home, say, hey, you know, I know that these ladies are regularly interacting with you. Is that is that too much of a pressure on you? Is that working well? Is there a better way that they could do it? Because you don't, you know, a worker's not going to want to say, not going to volunteer and come to you and say, hey, this is a little bit of pressure on me, or can we make an adjustment here? So for you to initiate that. Uh, but that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Yep. So field visits, properly done, encourage the missionary, and over time influence the local church commitment to the Great Commission. Okay, now there's a lot that I've, that's there. Okay, properly done is important <laughs> as well. Um, a field visit is when someone from the church goes to visit the worker on the field, right? Um, 
again, you have questions of location. If, you, uh, if your profile on the Internet is uh, significant, when you go to apply for a visa, people might know that. You might not be able to visit your worker in some places. Uh, but if you can, uh, that can be encouraging to them, especially if it's done regularly. Not just one time, but if a missionary has a 20-year career, if they're visited every two years or every three years, or you know, when I was on the field, my pastor here, uh, every year for 11 years. Uh, and he gained a lot of knowledge, actually. And that was very helpful for him to see the process over time. Not just one time, but the process over time of this church planting, um, these church planting activities that I was involved in. And I was able to ask him questions that he would never have thought of in a, in a cross-cultural context. And so that stretched him to think a little bit. Um, and it was very helpful for me that he would a- be able to come the next year and have this history and background and understanding of the, of the years prior to that. Um, so that was very helpful. And also, what that does as a pastor, I would, hope, I would hope that you guys desire to see people from within your congregation um, become missionaries. I would hope that, I mean, I think every church wants to see people come up from among them. Well, when the, when the, when the people, the person or the people who are regularly preaching the word are also regularly in, involved in, or at least visiting field situations, guess what stuff is going around in their head? The things that they saw. And so when they preach, naturally, they will reference those kinds of times and experiences. And the people in the pew then will hear those things, and it will become a normal part of their reception of the word. In other words, when I was in you know, a pastor is, is talking about a particular text. When I was in Africa two weeks ago, here's what I saw. Um, and um, it, it, it's just a normal thing at that point for people in the, in the pew to be hearing, okay, this is what we do as a church. We, we prepare and we send cross-cultural workers out. Okay? So regular visits by pastors... I can't tell you what regular looks like. It's certainly not every month. (laughs) Um, But more than one over the career. Uh, And again, maybe maybe you don't have the bandwidth to do that. Well, somebody with some leadership skills uh, and shepherding skills in your congregation certainly would. And in that situation, I might say, why don't you just ask that person to go, and if it works well the first time, ask them to go back again. Because it's those second and third visits that really begin to multiply and have uh, benefit. Okay, uh, second one, visit by professionals for specific purposes. What do I mean here? Uh, Let's say you're going to a restricted access nation and you have to start a business. Um, you, prob- you, churches, probably have people in your churches who have some skill or expertise in various areas of the business that your worker is going to start. Okay? Uh, that is a worthy and worthwhile um, partnership that you as a church 
say, you know what, uh, John, you have some accounting skills, and my friend here, uh, our church member who we sent, is starting a business, and he has no accounting background. Could you go over there for two weeks and just help him work out the, 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 the whole books system that he's doing? Okay, that's a way that the church can contribute and help uh, by professional visits for specific purposes. Um, it could also be, uh, let's say, uh, they're homeschooling. They have to homeschool where they're at. Uh, send an educator to work with the mom. If the mom doesn't know or the dad doesn't have background in education, send someone with some background in education for a week or two and let them work out the kinks of what they're doing. Help them coach the parents. If the kids had special needs um, and you've got someone in your church that's able to do that. That kind of sending typically is better, in my opinion, than sending a big missionary team to do some work project. There's real needs that the worker has and the family has, and you're able to provide that, or at least begin to provide that. Does that make sense? So visits by professionals for specific purposes. And that could be such a broad range of, of things. A visit by teams. Um, it's, I have here a comment in my notes. Likely not desirable in restricted access nations. <laughs> not big teams in those situations. Um, and even, here's all I'll say about that. Um, interact carefully with the missionary about their need and desire and capacity to, care, to bear a team. Um, and use it not just as something where they make a contribution, but where you as a shepherd and as elder are, are coming alongside and providing biblical instruction about missions in the process. Okay, So that's letter C for a reason. I think it's the lowest priority reason or the lowest priority on that list of uh, field visits. Okay? And when you go or when you send someone, encourage them to listen and observe. Not to be the ugly American that criticizes everything that's going on, not to be the loud, aggressive person when they're in Asia and everybody's generally a little bit more subdued and quiet, to be comfortable with silence, to be comfortable with quiet, observe and listen, and then talk. Or observe, listen, and then observe, listen more, and then a little bit more, and then maybe talk. (laughs) Um, Okay? And then I would say, ask open-ended questions to the workers that allow them to talk and process, as opposed to um, just you know yes and no kind of questions. But ask the kind of questions that lead them to reflect on what's going on. Um, and now these things are just coming to the, to my mind. And don't <laughs> don't say, oh yeah, that's like this for me in America in my job. <laughs> Even if it's true, <laughs> don't say that, okay? Um, especially if they're early in their missionary career. 
That's a good habit in all of our conversations anyway, not to respond to what someone is saying by saying, oh yeah, that's like this um, in my life, but instead listening to what they're saying and asking questions that help them continue to open up um, and in those moments pray uh, for them. Okay, we got to keep moving. Three, debriefings give missionary an opportunity to reflect on past experience and connect those with future goals. So debriefings. A debriefing is a time when you, um, when the missionary is having a conversation with someone else about experiences they have had. So very specific. Okay? I have here different kinds of debriefings, and there's some overlap with them. Maintenance debriefings. Nothing is wrong. Okay? You're just reflecting on the experiences that you've just walked through. Um, in my opinion, it would be helpful to have these annually and have them field-based, not them leave the field and come back to the U.S., but have them field-based. Uh, face-to-face is best, but Zoom can work. So the question is, who does these? Who does these? Who performs these maintenance debriefings? Um, your monthly phone calls can actually act as forms of debriefings, but I'm talking about something a little bit more significant here. So this is where agencies can really be a beneficial role. So the best people to do these debriefings would be people who have had cross-cultural experiences because there has to be some sort of relation. Like, if, if, if he's the worker and I'm the debriefer, and he's, he's sharing with me his experiences, and I have no frame of reference whatsoever, I'm not going to be incredibly helpful for him. Okay? Now, the debriefer doesn't talk a ton. The debriefer may ask a few questions, but primarily listen and pray, and maybe provide some direction. Um, I think that these kinds of debriefings are best performed when they're tied to now what's next? That question, what's next? Okay, so you just spent the last year and you've gone from a basic mid in Mandarin to a intermediate low in Mandarin. And you're talking about how you did that. You're talking about experiences you've had in the community. Okay, based on those things, what does your next six months look like? What does your next year look like? Because they're going to have this, these experiences and this maturity that they didn't have before when they originally laid out their plan, right? And so they're going to have to make adjustments in that plan. So a, a good debriefer will help them process what happened and then connect that to what's coming next to make those adjustments. I call them maintenance debriefings because sometimes debriefings, missionaries may feel like, oh, something's wrong, so I have to have this counselor come. I'm not talking about counseling. I'm talking about just regularly processing what's going on, so maintenance debriefings. There are member care hubs around the world there's, uh, I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, uh, Nairobi, um, Antalya, Turkey, M- Malaga, Spain, um, Chiang Mai, Thailand, 
Um, there's probably others as well. Uh, and I've used all of those, all of them, for workers in various parts of the world um, to have conversations. And there is a... So if I'm talking with my pastor about, about my life, there's, a, there's a, an exhale because I know him and he knows me and he's going to shepherd me. But when I want to talk about cross-cultural stuff, like the nuts and bolts of what's going on in this cross-cultural situation, if I talk to someone who has 10 years or 20 years of experience, I do the same thing. I'm like, it's nice to talk to this person because they understand some of the dynamics. So that's the kind of debriefer that can be helpful. Okay. Secondly, and I'm going to have to really move, home assignment debriefings. So this is when the worker comes home every two years or every three years or whatever it is. I have three groups here by church leaders. Here's, here's one that I have not seen happen regularly that I think would be a fantastic thing for churches to do. And that is gather your pastors and their wives or how, whatever your leadership structure is. And when the worker comes home, have a meal with them and then just, how you doing? Tell us about your, 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 your last three years. We want to know. It's not in a lobby of a church for two minutes the first time that you see them when they come back. You can't, you can't tell them much at all in that kind of situation. Oh, let's have coffee sometime. No, no, no. You as a, as a church leader go out on the front end before they even get back home and say, I know you're coming back. Um, let's have a meal together, and I'm going to invite the other pastors because this is significant, right? That would show them that this is a significant thing that's going on here. You're coming back from an assignment that they, they sent you to do, and now you're going you're gonna to tell them about it. Not just tell the whole church, that comes too, but you're going to tell the pastors or the leaders. Um, that could be very impactful. Small groups, same thing. Um, you know, have, have, the, have the workers, I don't know how long the home assignment is, but have them be able to go to the, go to the um, small group and just share with them whatever they want to share. Um, have the small group be able to ask them questions. Again, as, as, if you're the pastor, make sure you're talking with them, hey, do you have enough bandwidth to do this? Or is this helpful for you? Uh, or not helpful for you? You know, maybe if the person's a little bit on the quieter side, if your pastoral staff is 20 people, maybe just do, start with, you know, two or three, not the whole thing. Um, and then agency as well I have here by the agency. Uh, I think it's important. If I'm talking, I know there's agency here, but I'm talking local church. So as local church, you need to interact with the agency to make sure that they're doing some kind of debriefing as well. Like check, what are you doing agency to check up on the worker? What's your, and it it can be a very powerful and helpful relationship for the pastor to talk to the agency and say, how do you guys think they're doing? You tell me what you think they're doing. Because the agency might have a better insight into actually how they're doing. Okay? So agency does it, but church leaders and agencies interact with each, should interact with each other. 
Okay. Third one is critical incident debriefing. This is this this would be the one that comes after a problem. <laughs> um, usually, something uh, highly stressful has happened. Maybe an interrogation by the police. Uh, you're in a closed country. You've been called in. You're interrogated. You're threatened. Um, maybe some sort of um, significant illness where you've been in a local hospital and you know you might not have received the kind of treatment that you expect and there's some lingering effects. Something uh, stressful, highly stressful has happened. A, a shooting, a coup, all kinds of this stuff happens. Okay, A critical incident debriefing. And this is where I would go to the agency for sure and say, hey, th- there was just a coup in their country. Um, is there anything that you're going to do to follow up? You can Google missionary critical incident debriefing and you can see information on organizations that do it and that kind of stuff. Okay? All right. Um, so debriefings can be very helpful. Um, and again, listening. Listening. That's the key in this these kinds of debriefings. Where you're asking the kinds of questions that allow the worker to talk and to process and to have the kind of discernment. You know, some people are verbal processors, right? And so when you, when you sense that, ask the kind of questions that let them keep talking, right? Um, sometimes they need a little bit of direction or have you thought about this and let them go in that direction, okay? So listening is really important, really listening. Number four, Home assignments give local church and missionary direct, regular access to each other and give the missionary an opportunity for rest, renewal, and further training. Okay, so what's the relationship uh, with regard to home assignments before, during, and after? Uh, Before the home assignment, someone in the church, whether it's pastors, uh, a ministry assistant, or a, a, a... you know, it could be the person, a church member who's really the point person like you were talking about, the ladies with Peru, the point person there. But somebody before the home assignment should have a conversation with the worker to ask what are their needs. Do you have housing needs? Do you have a car? Do you need some office space? What about education for your children? What do you want to accomplish on your home assignment? And how can we help you? You know, traditionally, it's just their missionaries are kind of left on their own. Oh, they, they know what they're supposed to do. Um, but those kinds of conversations can be very helpful. And if a church, you know, home assignments can be very stressful for workers. Preparing for home assignments can be very stressful for workers because you're trying to close down everything where you're at. Um, and simultaneously, you're trying to find a house, you're trying to find a car, you're trying to find something for your kids, you're trying to, get, you're trying to do all this stuff in both of these worlds. It can be very, very stressful. And, and churches could actually pick up some of those stressful responsibilities for the workers by helping them find a place. Or, or I know some churches that will, that will say, you know, we'll rent you an apartment while you're here. Um, it's a financial commitment. But it could happen. Now, I would have conversations with the agency, too. So what are your expectations for this worker during home assignment? How can we best serve them before they even come home, right? Um, what, are, what are your financial policies as an agency for home assignment? Are there funds available for them 
to use apart from their salary for a vehicle on home. Those, these are important questions to ask. Um, okay, so have a conversation about these things. What kinds of things do you, do you want to accomplish? Do you need to see doctors for any reason? Maybe there's doctors in their churches that could get them in to see specialists if they need to see a specialist. Um, what about financial? We have financial planners in our church. Could you, do you need to see a financial planner? Again, agency, bring the agency into this because they might have. But there's a, there's a proactivity, an initiation from the church that sends, that has responsibility for the spiritual and long-term health of this worker, right? There's initiation that would be a, a breath of fresh air to the worker in this kind of situation. And as an aside, I would encourage you to, to talk with your uh, worker about what I call a buffer week, a buffer week, or a couple, at least a couple days on both ends. Because okay? what happens, like I said, is you're, you, you're, you're stressed out because you're leaving. I mean, think about, if, think about how you can potentially be stressed out and you're going on a vacation for a week. You know, you got to do all this stuff in the house, whatever. You're talking about leaving a country for a week and you've got bills that you've got to make sure are going to be paid, all kinds of stuff. Um, and then you're going back to your home. And so you can pull up from here this whole different way of living and thinking, and then immediately you jump in here and you're in a fishbowl. That can be very stressful. So to have a buffer week uh, where you're not here or you're not here, maybe a layover somewhere, or maybe in the U.S., your first city you land, to get an Airbnb for a few days, just so you, even just so you can get your body on the time clock, <laughs> so you don't fall asleep in the sermon, right? Uh, that a buffer week can be very, very beneficial. Uh, this is especially true for workers when they go overseas the first time, because you're so emotionally drained from saying goodbye the first time to everybody. And then all of a sudden, everything's new and you got to start learning the language and everything. But just to have, and you got kids sometimes, just to have that buffer week, even to get your time clock right so that you land. Okay, so before the home assignment. During the home assignment, regular times for prayer with church leaders and or members apart from the regular meetings of the church. Okay? Like, if someone's going to be home for two months... Schedule two times where you gather as, as a pastor and your wife or a couple pastors. You invite them over for dinner and say, hey, we just, we just want to pray, pray with you and for you. Okay? Or some members in the church just to pray. Um, listen to the stories. Um, missionaries can tell when people glaze over and they don't want to listen anymore, right? You can tell that. And missionaries need to be aware of that and need to be aware that these people haven't lived in my world and so they're not going to be as connected as I am, okay? So it's, a, it's both people need to, need to learn on that. But, but seriously, listen to, listen to stories um, and ask questions about those stories that cause them to open up more. You'll see sides of workers that you probably wouldn't otherwise see, Okay? Um, again, uh, here, during the home assignment, make sure they're able to connect with whatever professionals they need to connect with, doctors, dentists, financial planners. Um, 
you know, kids have special needs. That might be another good time for ki- for someone, to, you know, you to meet with people who can evaluate their needs and help you chart out a path as you go back and homeschool them for professional development during a home assignment. Um, that can be a great use of some time. Uh, you know, you're you've finished learning the language. You're going to go back and you're going to plant the church. Maybe taking a class on the church while you're on your home assignment could be helpful. A refresher class. Do you need any refresher classes? And again, one of the keys in this is the church taking some initiative to ask these kinds of questions. Like, what what is it that you need? Um, and if you have listened for the past couple years, you may be able to provide some insight and input into that. Okay. After the home assignment, again, this is where I have my week buffer or... That would be W-E-E-K, not W-E-A-K. You don't want to go W-E-A-K, sorry. Um, (laughs) Thanks for that courtesy laugh back there. (laughs) Uh, You want a little bit of time, okay, to exhale. Let me make another suggestion. A week or two after they're back, call them up. How was your home assignment? How to go. If, especially if at the beginning you said, what are the things that you wanted to accomplish? Were you able to accomplish those? Um, how could we serve you better? Um, next home assignment. How has the readjustment been? Any surprises? Landing back where you're at? How about the language? You're, you're getting in the groove with that again? Do you have any needs? Um, just questions that demonstrate that you are concerned about where they're at. They're not, they're not an employee who's been given a job and who is supposed to self-manage. Okay, now, there's some truth to that. I mean, they have a job and they are receiving funds and they are supposed to self-manage, but they are part of your congregation and you have a responsibility to shepherd them well and you want to invest in them in a way that will give them a greater chance from a human perspective of longevity and effectiveness where they're at. So caring for people well increases the chances from a human perspective of them serving well for a long time where they're at.